0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to come as a people of God underneath the authority of your Word, to listen to your Word, to glean from your Word, to be refreshed by your Word, to be given new understandings about your Word. Not that you are revealing there's like there's a new canon going about, but no. Rather, every time we come back to it, you seem to bring more understanding to our minds. And, and we just are so thankful that you're are infinite, and we as finite creatures are in, are in constantly, in constant need of your illuminating of your truth. And we thank you that we'll spend not just this life, but eternity understanding the beauty and all the ways that are our God and who our God is. We thank you for that, and we ask your spirit to guide us in, in that adventure today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, we are in... Our Old Testament themes. Um, We are, this is class 17, and we're in Proverbs. Uh, This week, um, we are, uh, the the main source will be from William, spelled W I L L E M, so you know he's got a German background, A. Van Geren. Never had heard of the gentleman before, but I uh, very much appreciate the book that we've been going through, a biblical. Theological Introduction to the Old Testament, The Gospel Promise, which is edited by Miles V. Van Pelt, who I think extremely highly of, a Presbyterian gentleman that is amazing in his understanding of of the the Bible as a whole. Um, Today I'm going to reference this book again. It's called Just Do Something. We're dealing with wisdom. Um, I've mentioned that book before. I think I've even mentioned it in sermons, but if you haven't, have never gotten that book, I wanted to make sure that I got it. Not an intimidating book. Tiny. Thin. Understandable. It's a wonderful book. In fact, I'm going to read, hopefully when we get there, I'm going to read the, uh, he's, this is uh, by Kevin DeYoung, another uh, Presbyterian that I think very highly of. Um, he, uh, he writes in such a way that is so humble and so clear. Um, the, the secondary title he gives this book is, is, is laughable. This gives you an idea of his humility and it also gives you an idea of how he helps, how clearly he helps us under, understand wisdom. So some, some different uh, sources that we're using this week as well. So let's jump into it. I'm going to, this is one of those where I need to lay a, a whole bunch of foundation and, and hopefully I'll work through it in a way that will not overwhelm you. And then at the very end we'll uh, take questions that I've got a question formulated at the very end of this document Um, so hopefully we'll be able to work our way and get into that all right so let's look just uh, follow along with me as we try and understand this book Proverbs the author of Proverbs includes so there's more than one author sometimes we'll read the beginning the opening line and think oh this is all of Solomon well it's not all of Solomon Solomon uh, is one of the authors he's the majority author by far but there's also wise men listed, and you see the verses that cover the wise men, 22, 17, and 24, 23. There's Agur, uh, who is uh, uh, spoken of in verse uh, uh, chapter 30, verse 1, who leads the bulk of the, the latter part. Not a bulk, but at least a, a larger section. And then Lemuel, uh, Lemuel if I say it in the correctly by way of uh, uh, the Greek, the L should tip you off. You, you who know the shortened version of Elohim and what Elohim means. So Remember n- their names in Hebrew I think always have significance. We just don't always know the significance because some of them we still don't know the origin of the name. So we can't put it together. Um, so then let's look at the, uh, the date of it. The bulk of the material from the 10th century is from the 10th century B.C. According to 1 Kings 4.32, he, being Solomon, also spoke, sometimes we forget this, 3,000 proverbs. Was he the wisest man? God said, yeah. He'd given him the wisdom that no one had ever had before, and no one will ever uh, uh, come to that level of wisdom again. He gave him uh, that significant of a volume, if you will, or a status of wisdom in his uh, understanding of things. And he also wrote, this is something that I I, I oftentimes overlook, songs were over 1,000, 1,005 songs. Um, It gives you, have you ever, songwriters are interesting because they say things oftentimes that are poetry in nature. They're designed to create images that uh, that give us a a better understanding of the song and the melody to it. Um, And so when I think of Solomon, his proverbs are, are a type of poetry, if you will, it, uh, um, intended to, to give us or take us to a place where we imagine what he's saying. We can put our place in that, in, in that situation and then draw from it what his, the wisdom is out of it. So deep man, um, just fascinating to me. I am not an original thinker. So when I see creative people, people who can give imagery when they speak, people who can speak in other than concrete forms, more abstract concepts that, that they can help you understand. I'm always amazed because I'm very concrete. I'm limited. When it starts to get into the deep stuff, I need someone to go, this is what it means, or I need to, to research it out. Okay, let's look at genre. It's the, the literature type is wisdom, and these are sayings in the form of instructions or admonitions. Which express an idea cleverly with few words. I remember watching uh, a new word I learned probably 10 or 15 years ago was the word pithy, p-i-t-h-y, pithy. Little short, little uh, statements that are, that are filled with wisdom. They're they're designed. You know, pithy ones are designed to catch your attention because they they make you go, what? what, what? You have to process through them. They're so direct and to the point. These are uh, similar in that nature. Well, let's take a look at the structure and the outline. The prologue. Um, you had the prologue uh, starting in uh, verse, uh, excuse me, chapter one, as you would expect. The pro being at the beginning, uh, one through nine, and then eighteen is how this. This is uh, Will, Williams Van Gierum, Van Gamerin, or however you pronounce it. Um, this is his outline. I think he does a. a, a a good job with the conciseness of it um, and the accuracy and the categorizing. And then you have the, the Proverbs of Solomon. This is the, the main bulk of what he has is 10, 1 through 2 and 16. Um, he has, what's interesting, he has um, part 1 and part 2. And I had to go back because I'm like, I must have missed something. I don't remember why they, he did it part 1 or part 2. And he uses part 1 and he defines them as contrast sayings. So in, in that part one, which is chapter 10, verse 1 through 15, 33, basically all, all of chapter 10 through 15, he, he, contrastive sayings are those sayings where they have a but. This, this but that. that. You'll see a lot of there. Even when there's an and, an and in Hebrew is a translation choice. You could just as well put a but there. It does, sometimes it's not as... Concise, So they'll put an and there. But it's still meant to be contrastive in nature. So it's, it's just interesting that, uh, and, and looking at them, they're all lined up that way. But part two uses the same kind of contrastive. But what's different about part two is they're really from a king uh, and, a God, and God's perspective on this. It's as if the king, a king, uh, as if Solomon or God himself were were declaring this versus just general wisdom of sorts. So that's the the difference, and that's why he puts it in a part one and a part two. And then you've got the words of the wise. Uh, This is chapter 22, verse 17 through 24 through 22. 24, 22, I should say. And then more uh, words of the wise uh, continue a little bit longer in chapter 24. And then you have the breakdown, um, the Solomonic Proverbs collected by men of Hezekiah. So the men of Hezekiah post Solomon find more writings of Solomon and add them to this book. So we are, we're not, you know, and we talked about this. I used to be terrified to think that editing happens in Bible books. Well, it's editing, inspired editing. So this editing is these men added this to make up Proverbs. Does that make sense? So there's nothing for us to be worried about when we see multiple authors. It's the inspired editing and bringing the collection of these together um, into one book. And then we're going to see the Oracle of Agur, which is going to be interesting, as well as the Oracle of Lemuel. Okay, we're going to jump over, and we're going to take a look at the visual map of Proverbs. I, I like what they've done here. Carol, it's a little bit bigger. I know, I appreciate that, and thank you to Jacob. I had to call Jacob and say, son, I can't read this. If I can't read this and I've got glasses, there are people that are not gonna be able to read this. So, uh, and even so, uh, Jake did a great job of of trying to get some of the skinny font. I I don't know why they use such skinny font. But this is, uh, I think this is particularly helpful on this one. Again, I need somebody to help me with the visuals, and this is one of those where I'm like, this is is, uh, nice work. So the book is Proverbs. Take, take a look in the top left corner. It's referring to that, the old guy with the beard. That's Solomon. He's considered the father of Israel's wisdom tradition. Um, you see the, the royal library. And it talks about he has all of this that he has written on. And it's got broken down to zoology, botany, uh, entomology, and musicology. Jane, I didn't even know that was a word. It, I, well, I, I get that as for music. I didn't just know that that was a word. Look at that. So he's, uh, he's got those categories within the library, so he's spoken on a wide range of stuff. Um, wisest man in ancient world. Um, God uh, told us that in the, in the gifting of that of wisdom to him um, because it was what he asked for. And God said, I'm going to give it to you in abundance. So we know that about Solomon. Um, take a look all the way to the right now, the right side, the right top, right corner. It says biblical wisdom literature. Exploring how to live well in God's world. And that's really what wisdom is is designed to to help us work through. And he's going to deal with the first bold one. Wisdom is not. It's not law. I'm in Exodus. I'm teaching through Exodus. That's law. This is what God says. If you do this, it's good. If you do that, it's bad. It's sinful. It's not prophecy. Uh, uh, Thus saith the Lord. It's not that. That's not wisdom uh, literature as if it's um, coming from a prophet to correct or or, or something along that line. Normally, the prophets, when you hear prophecy, don't hear foretelling. When you think prophetic, more than anything, it's the prophets um, bringing the word of God to say, hey, you are breaking the law, and you need to do this and repent. You need to change this and repent. So much of prophecy has to deal with the law itself. And then it says underneath there, it says, wisdom is. It's accumulated insight of God's people through generations. We're going to talk more about that. I, 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 wasn't, I don't like that definition, but there's an aspect to that that is truthful. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I do want to uh, remind us, remember last week was Job? And the book of Job is also part of the wisdom literature. Does anyone remember, and I've got a, I've got a, uh, a plant in the house, somebody that I was talking with earlier that knows this, I rushed, and I was rushing last week to try and get through it. At the very end of Job, I described what the fear of the Lord is. In fact, if you have your flyer you, uh, or your handout from last week, you'll, you'll understand what the fear of the Lord is. And when I say fear of the Lord, I'm going to say it this way, the fear of Yahweh. Because when it, the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament always uses the name Yahweh, the fear of the covenant one. I want you to get used to that word, that when he's using that title, yeah, that, that name, he's talking about I am the God who covenants with the people that I have made in my image. Those that I have chosen to covenant with. Those who I've chosen to engage in a relationship that has promises. And attached to those promises are curses and blessings, if that's helpful for you. Okay, so does anyone remember, if, can, you, can you think of any aspect of the fear of the Lord that was helpful from that last statement? What is this thing, this concept this abstract concept of the fear of the Lord. All right, we got Jane, and there are there are multiple. I was using one that uh, um, was tied to the book we were in because Job was using it. Well, I have my cheat sheet here from last <laughs> week. So. All right, cheat sheet. <laughs> uh, sorry, um, Glenda, I can't use the uh, use you as my plant. Go ahead. <laughs> hmm. But. Um, To to trust in the Lord, uh, you wrote to trust in God's wisdom as sovereign over all things. Uh, So, uh, wisdom is uh, believing that God really is sovereign over all things and that what he says and does is all wise. And we plan our lives accordingly. There you go. As best we can. So, it's the fear of the Lord can meet, sometimes you'll get trust. And often, Glenda and I were talking about, oftentimes it's, it's, it's uh, described as reverential trust or um, trusting in, you know, revering God, giving reverence to God, not, not fear as in punishment, fear as in reverence, different kind of fear. Um, so reverential trust, you, you know who he is and you can trust him. But I think it is particularly helpful when it comes to the wisdom literature, especially if you've gone through some difficult times in your life suffering. It's trusting in the wisdom of the sovereign one or his sovereignty. He is wise and his ways are perfect. So he's trustworthy. And I want to give, it, give you this. This is something that I didn't understand for a lot of years. I saw the wisdom literature as advice. It is not advice. Advice is, uh, well, you'd be better off doing that. Kind of that kind of, you can take it, you can leave it. Yeah, I'm just going to give you a little advice. No. This is the God who created all of creation and ordered it in such a way that this is the track it runs on. It runs on righteousness. If You, you have to make a choice. you, you the, And this is what Proverbs is doing. Either be wise and follow the one who created It's like my father, he wanted to be an inventor. My father used to make uh, games. He used to invent games. He never sent one off to anybody to get it uh, uh, finalized. He, he had, oh, Cocoa Krispies, Cocoa Puffs, whatever they are. He had that years before that whatever was a cereal and he never sent it in. Dad was original like that. I didn't get any of that gene. Um, but the, 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 the point here is, oh, Nicholas, you're gonna lose it. Don't lose it, Nicholas. Lord, have mercy on me. It's not advice. Yeah, goodness gracious. Oh, I know what it is. So God created the world the way he created it. If you do not follow his wisdom, you're living in a world, whether it's a game like my father invented or this life, don't think of it as a game, you're living in a world where you should expect bad things, if you're not living by the wisdom of God. That doesn't mean in a world that is complex and filled with sin that you will not still, following his wisdom, you will not still experience suffering, pain, sin against you. That doesn't mean that, but it does mean if you're trying to figure out in the midst of this, and we're going to talk about this, he did a good job on this uh, layout, this map, if you will, that if you're feeling the injustices of life, this is how you honor God's system, thus honoring God. This is the, the honor his ordering, if you like that better, so it doesn't turn into—sometimes uh, uh, the false religions use systems over a person. Um, if, you're, if you want to honor God, if you want to navigate this and not sin while being sinned against, this is how you do it, and you know you can come through this suffering in a state of righteousness. And ultimately, you are blessed by that, even if the, the unrighteousness continues to come back at you. Because I will tell you this, and I know this from experience, the peace that comes, the inner, inner peace that comes from being righteous in the midst of having injustice done upon you is amazing. Is amazing. You can sense God's presence, even when you still feel the unrighteousness. So the peace that you can experience... Even in the midst is, is, one of the way, is one of the things that wisdom allows because the God who ordered all things, he created and ordered all things, has given us his wisdom. Choose wisdom and you're wise. Choose anything else and you are foolish and therefore a fool. I played the fool many times thinking I could outsmart. No, God, I, God, I think I got this one figured out. I'm not sure if yours is going to work. Yeah, playing the fool. Okay, let's take a look at this. An Introduction to Proverbs. Look on the, the left side of the page, about a third of the way down, verses 1 through 9. Uh, okay, it starts, uh, um, you've got the Proverbs of Solomon, and off to the right there it says, for gaining wisdom, uh, the, in the Hebrew the word is chokhmah, chokhmah. You've got to get something going on in the back of your throat. Um, it's, the, it's the application of the order that God has given in this world, or the application of truth. So that you see it as skill, applied knowledge, or applied knowledge. Uh, and then off to the right there, in the fear of the Lord, it's reverence and awe. It's moral. It's a moral mindset. It's a humble, ones, uh, humble. you need to humble oneself before God. That's what's, what's going on. Humble meaning you recognize, don't pull a neck. God, I've assessed this, and I think my idea is better than yours. Or <laughs> your ways are better. I think I can handle it doing this. No, humble yourself and do it God's way. Okay. We see in the first ten, excuse me, in in, uh, chapters one through nine, we see ten speeches from a father to a son. This is going to play an important thing. That it starts with a father because something's going to happen later on. This is a book that's connected. Again, the uh, the editors are inspired. The book was designed the way God wanted the book to be designed. It's going to have significance. Okay. It says uh, it starts off with the father is the picture of a dad hanging out with his son and they're both sitting in the chairs there. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And then some of the instruction follows like this. This is the moral logic of Proverbs. Top left dark box there It says wisdom and fear of the Lord. Then you move to uh, virtue, integrity, and generosity. And then you have success and peace. That's a general principle. Do not treat that as a promise or if this, then that in every situation. Remember, this is a complex, fallen world we live in. So then the others is, in a general sense, this is true as well, folly and evil uh, uh, is lived out through selfishness and pride, and it will bring ruin and shame. Most of the time in my life, the ruin and shame that I've seen others that were perpetrating it on myself or, or in a larger picture watching other people, that's normally later in life. Um, that, that, that occurs, and that's difficult to, to deal with sometimes if you're the one in the midst of being the one oppressed. In fact, P.J. may have something to say about that in his uh, uh, sermon today. Okay, then underneath it, we have the four, underneath the ten speeches, we have the four poems of Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is a pers- personification of wisdom. He's using an image, a personification of this attribute of God himself to give us better understanding. That's what you need to. Don't, don't think you're, you're praying to Lady Wisdom. Please don't do that. That's wrong. This is a personification for, to help us to give that imagery. Okay, so um, in dealing with it, you've got the, uh, um, all the different aspects, whether it's upholding justice, integrity, generosity. Uh, Lady Wisdom says she, what's really neat about Lady Wisdom, the attribute of God, is it's an invitation to partake of wisdom. Any can partake, is what she says over and over again. Okay, so then you've got uh, down at the bottom left corner of that first of three columns, you've got Proverbs, and again, the not equal signs, it's not good advice. It is good advice, if from a sense, it's good, it's trustworthy, it's but it's not advice. We already talked about that. It's the, the, me- the means by which God's ordered world works, even in situations where you're experiencing injustice. And then it does equal God's invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. He's talking about previous generations um, because some of, the, some of what we see, what we can learn in wisdom is observed through what God has already done in others' relationships that have come before us, what he has done in history, or how this plays out in his ordered system. So that, that's what the author is getting at. OK, let's continue on. Middle column, t- uh, chapters 10 through 29. These are hundreds of ancient Proverbs here. Uh, and all, you can see all the topics up there, alcohol, marriage, generosity, justice, uh, speech, debt, work, uh, poverty. If you don't read uh, Proverbs at least once a year uh, through your study of the Bible in a, in a, in a year program, um, you are missing out. If you rush through it, you are missing out. A chance to understand, look, these are the tracks that, that God's order works on. I need to understand these tracks. I need to understand what is God's wisdom so I can apply it in my life. And you'll have people come to you all the time if they see you are different in the way you handle things because they'll ask you, how would you handle this? You seem to have peace or joy in the midst of your trials. You still got trials, but you, got, you have a different disposition. These are some of the most basic truths that God gives us that we, we need to be able to pass on. He says underneath all the picture of the scrolls there, the fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Um, that's true in a general sense. We don't all, Like I told you, what I've seen, sometimes uh, like Proverbs 73, um, excuse me, like Psalm 73, it seems like the wicked lasts a long time. It seems like the wicked get away with a lot. They don't get away with anything in the end. Uh, Then it says, train up your child in the way they should go. Oh, my goodness. As a young Christian, I was told this was a promise. Boy, did this mess me up when my sons were just terrorists. Six little terrorists running around at our house. And I'm sitting there going, train a child up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they they won't turn away from it. "Ah, Am I going to last? You know, my wife and I were just like, they're, they're, running, they're overrunning us. They're coming over the walls. We, I mean, this is crazy. Um, this is not an absolute promise. This is a, look, I use the ways that you train them to prick their hearts throughout their lives, even after you have, you're out of the picture. And I may so choose to change their hearts to the degree that I regenerate their hearts. No matter what, this is what's interesting about, here. here's one for elders. Elders need to be able to manage their house well. What that aligns with here is, can you run a home where you, the, the love in the home and the authority in the home are such that your children are able to act godly even though they may not be saved as yet? They still honor God's ways in the home even though they may not be believers. So this... That was, uh, don't be in the bondage that I was in uh, and and think that this is a promise and, you know, I'm going to bank on this and God's going to save him because of me. And that's, no, that's a mess. Okay. Jake's making Sunday school handouts. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Jacob is. Yeah, that's true. He helped us. Thank you, Jake. Good demonstration. Thank you for the demonstration. All right. Then underneath it, you have proverbs equals probabilities. I love that meaning that this is what most likely will happen as, a, as an understanding of the tracks this runs on. But this doesn't mean it, it always happens that way. There's a, there are exceptions. In fact, the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes are the exception books. If you've ever thought about that, if you haven't ever thought about that, read them as exceptions. Joseph, an exception. He was completely righteous. And look what happened to him. And, it, oh, Ecclesiastes, is fascinating as the book. I want to teach through that one time in Sunday school. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just going to point out, I think uh, imagery that has been pointed out to me that's helpful in the three wisdom literature of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job is that Proverbs is the young college student who just graduated and you've just been taught in a textbook, do this and this should happen, do this and this should happen. And if you believe it, you have the optimism of youth, and you're ready to go into the world. And then you have Ecclesiastes, which is the middle-aged, in the middle of the workforce. This is the reality of the world. The unjust get promoted. The, you see the things of life. Life is miserable. What's the point? You have this reality set in, and this is not what I was told in the youth of Proverbs. And then Job is the retiree who goes to both of them and says, look, I've experienced it all, the optimism and highs of youth, the lows of the reality of life. And yet at the end of the day, some of both, both are true. And we got to trust God. So it's, it's almost like this life cycle of wisdom where we should have the optimism of Proverbs. We should have the reality and understanding of a fallen world of Ecclesiastes. And yet we should, through the ups and the downs, have the steadiness and the holiness of Job to recognize, but at the end of the day, God is in control. And I think that kind of
0: fits these three together. They're not pitted against each other. In fact, you need all three to really understand God's economy of wisdom. Thank you, PJ. Uh, It looks like uh, Jamie has a question.
1: You know, I was just scribbling uh, notes along that line in my margin and then realizing that um, there are proverbs within Psalms. There are. All, yes,
0: it's not just one source of wisdom.
1: But you look at the, the Proverbs within Psalms, and what does it refer to frequently? It refers to the law. And it's like it's all stitched together, and you really don't understand it all separately as separate units. They all interplay, and having an understanding of how they interplay is, is really uh, a source of rich wisdom.
0: Amen. Amen. I wish we could make this class an hour because I have about 30 more minutes worth of material. We're not going to get to all of it. Okay, let's continue on. So under Proverbs and Probabilities, you have uh, on the left, that dark box on the left side there, fear of, fear of God and wisdom, uh, things will go great. And then you head to the right, no fear of God and foolishness, things will probably go pure, poor. Probably. Okay. Uh, then you have Proverbs is not equal promises. We've got that, no guarantees. And the next to, the, the next to it is Proverbs focuses on the general rule, not the exceptions. And it's got the listed there, the book of Ecclesiastes and Job, so we can have a better comprehensive understanding of wisdom if we're reading all three. He says underneath there, life is too complex for formulas. We need all the wisdom books together. And then, so you, then you end up with agur. On top right, about a third of the way down, it says in the third column, uh, dealing with, starting with chapter 13. Um, by the way, remember I told you names mean something? They have significance? Agur means to gather in or collect. And yet, look what he says. He starts off uh, Proverbs 30 with, I am brute and have no wisdom. So, who, what does Mr. I, to collect or gather in do? He collects wisdom. If you want to be wise, read the wisdom of God and become wise. Don't stay there and say, I'm too foolish. I grew up and no one taught me this. You can't stay there. You have to work on wisdom, which means reading, understanding. Uh, and he ends up, by the end of the book, being a model reader of the Proverbs. And he becomes wise, and that's why he's listed in there. Then you have Lemuel. Um, he's a non-Israelite king, whose name means fascinating. We keep seeing this. We, we saw. Uh, we keep seeing characters that are not Israelites that have a devotion to Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God with Israel, and uh, his name means devoted. To God, El is God. Devoted to God, fascinating. Um, and he says this. Remember, it opened Proverbs. Open with a dad ta- telling his son. Proverbs closes with a son recalling what his mother taught him. So these are the words from his mother. He's, uh, there's a picture of a king sitting on the throne. It says, "Here's what my mother taught me," and then it's all of the ways how to be a leader. You want to lead well is what she's dealing with in uh, the 31. And then uh, um, it says guidance for leadership. Uh, there's a little bit of, of uh, stuff going on in the Hebrew as far as the alphabet. We don't need to worry about that. And then, then there's this understanding of this wise woman. And every woman that has ever studied, been in a part of a Bible study, this, is, this makes it about once a year in the Bible study because it's so valuable, what, it, what are the attributes of a wise woman? And that's Proverbs 31, often referred to as a Proverbs 31 woman. It's a woman who, who, who orders her life in such a way that she orders it unto the way that God has called her to live her life, all of us to live our lives, as God's creation. Uh, gods I'll put it this way, not just creation. God's creatures that are made in his image. We are the image bearers of God. All right, so let's look at this. Let's flip it. Let's go back to the uh, first uh, page here let's go some of the themes. I'm going to just read to you some of the uh, wisdom is instruction. There's seven of them. I thought that was interesting because it gives us seven is the, the number associated in uh, Hebrew numerology with God. Wisdom is instruction, teaching, sometimes warning, you know, coupled with correction or reproof. Reproof is when you tell someone this is not right. To understand that actions have consequences. If you do this, you will have bad consequences, most likely. It may not be found out right away, but was, you will live to realize the, the, the consequences of, of doing wrong. Wisdom is insight. Sight, and I like the way he says this, sight that goes in and is able to see what the real issue is. Wisdom is instruction in wise dealing, knowing how to negotiate a fallen world. Oh, how we all need to know this one full of sinful people, including ourselves and our own sinful desires, in a successful way without compromising our trust in the Lord, our trust in the wisdom of the sovereign one. Remember that definition. Get get those. Trust, wisdom, sovereign one. Those are the three I'm trying to get you to remember for what is the fear of the Lord. That's one component of it. Let's continue on. Wisdom is prudence, having a shrewd understanding of what makes people tick. I love being a people observer. It's one of the things I loved being as a police officer. I was part of a surveillance team for four years, and I got to just watch people commit crimes, and then the team would take them off doing the crimes. Fascinating how people, you can watch people and see how sin works. And it's just amazing just to be a per- person watcher. When I go to the airport, there used to be a thing called malls. My children won't know what malls are because they're all going away. But I used to go. Cindy would go shopping, and and, and she'd go. Would you mind coming with me? I'm like, ah, this is punishment. Um, I would go with her, and I would people watch at the mall because I love seeing if I could understand what they're doing. Why this? You'll watch the couple. Oh, he really blew it there, and you could see her response. I don't know what he, she he said, but. Eh. So and it's interesting. This is what prudence, ha- having a, a, a shrewd understanding of what me- makes people tick. Wisdom is knowledge, knowledge of God's ways that is internalized. Um, and we need to uh, meditate on that. And then you have wisdom is discretion, the ability to plan realistically and to commit yourself to a course of action that will produce a result that is to the glory of the Lord. If you are a man wanting to marry a woman and you don't know that one, boy, you're going to bring a lot of suffering onto your, your, your wife and your family. Let me read that one again. The ability to plan realistically, this goes to the woman as well. Remember we saw the uh, um, Proverbs 31 woman, but in God's economy, men lead in the, in, the, in the relationship in the family. So men, you are held responsible. The ability to plan realistically and to commit yourself to a course of action that will produce a result that is, is to the glory of the Lord. Then you have wisdom is the fear of the Lord, loving him with all that you are, and entrusting him with all that you possess. I'm going to read through this quickly because I want to get to this uh, little uh, Kevin DeYoung book. Wisdom abounds and is readily available. Be- uh, because God gave order to this world, remember, the, all of uh, Genesis chapter 1, when we, if you haven't heard the, the sermons from that, go back and listen to them. In, the, in the, what, God's creation... Everything that is good is the ordering that God is doing and creating. He creates a sphere, he fills it. He creates a different sphere, he fills it. He continues to do it. He makes man last, and as he's made in his image to, to, to the ordering is that he will rule over the physical realm as God's physical beings, that image, an invisible God. So we can see the ordering, what God has intended from all that. So we understand this again. Because God gave order this, to this world, no one else gave the order. It's not Satan's ordering. He's trying to always undo the order of God, but it's God's ordering of his creation. It's what he sovereignly did. Because God gave order to this world, maintains his creation, and re- reveals his wisdom in everything that exists and has come into being, other cultures outside of Christendom are able to examine God's natural order through observed patterns and records uh, Excuse me, and record their own wise saying. Confucius say, and if you've ever read any of Confucius' stuff, some of his stuff is pretty slick, pretty good. You think he got inspired uh, a word from God? I don't. I think he, he made some observations of God's, what God has done in his ordering and made those observe or uh, recorded those observations, and they're accurate. God has given us the ability to see what he has done through his ordering and understand God's wisdom. In addition, God has given us words that he has revealed Positive information, more information than what comes out of just the order that we live by. So there's, there's, you can see both occurring. If you're wondering, how do these other cultures sometimes have wisdom? That sounds so biblical. Because they've watched, not even realizing, unwittingly realizing it's the God that is the one true living God. They observe what happens in this world. Okay, that's point number two. The general economy of wisdom is proximate. It is a step in the direction towards divine righteousness that God grants by grace and revelation. There's the, the, the uh, by gift, gifting it, by, people can see it, and revelation. God spoke it. That's what we have, the, the three books of, of wisdom. Um, song, song of Songs would also consi- be considered another book. In the face of human injustice, concern with self, and outside pressure. Do you want to know how to uh, work through life in those three areas? I do. And those are areas that God's wisdom can absolutely help us with, as well as every area. I don't see where I wrote it. And I... That's so weird. I'm looking for the word proximate. There it is. Uh, No? no. Do you see it in there? It's proximate. Well, I must have didn't even register in my mind. The general economy of wisdom is proximate. Okay, this is where this little book comes in. Just do something. People will come to me. First, when I was a, uh, uh, an associate pastor, um, we don't have those kind of things. We understand all the elders are equal. Um, and I was primarily in congregational care before uh, pastoring uh, uh, with this church. So I interacted with people because I had a biblical counseling degree. And so people would come. Oh, you're the pastoring, You're the one who does congregational care? I need to ask you this question about what do I do in this situation? And I, um, I would help them understand... Wisdom is not hopscotch. We don't jump on one foot in one square and then land on two feet in the the double square and then two more that are a single foot. And we think that, or here's another one, wisdom isn't stepping stones trying to cross a river. I jump to this stone and I jump to that stone. And if I go to that one, that one's going to be the wrong stone. I'm going to get wet. Oh my gosh, there's only one stone available. What stone is my, my next step? That is not. Wisdom. Wisdom is proximate. It's a trajectory. It's headed in the direction of righteousness. You have liberty in wisdom to choose more than one path. You want to know the best path. The way you find out the best path is just do something that is within the righteousness of God. After you've read the word, after you've talked to others that have great wisdom, I'm talking to, send, uh, to Glenda this morning about the, um, some of the deaths she has dealt with with her mother and then with Stephen as I, lo- as I interact in my, with my mother-in-law who appears to be on the final leg of this life. And so I'm going to her and saying, Sister, what did you do in these situations? And, she, and so I, I've read it. I know what the Bible says, but I'm seeking others that have been through there to get this understanding. Lita and Paul are another ones that I've, I've had conversations with. But listen to this. Just so you know, It's wisdom has liberty in what choice you make. Don't be paralyzed by thinking there's only one thing I can do. There's only one opportunity. There's only one right way. No, it's a direction. Listen to this. His title is Just Do Something A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will. What do I'm supposed to do? Here's his second title that I wanted to share with you, and we'll leave with this one. Or, here's the title. How to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, random Bible verses, casting lots, liver shivers, writing in the sky, etc. Thank you for saying what I have heard people give me advice on. Stupid advice. Well-intended advice, but stupid advice. This is not how you find wisdom. Stop getting into the superstitious or... Using, casting lots. Lots were used in the Old Testament because God hadn't revealed more of his word, and they needed to know, is this me saying to do this, or is this uh, uh, you saying to do this? So they would cast lots. They were like a dice, and that's when it was used. So don't do that. The one I hear quite often that it just shocks me because I used to say it so much, because I was taught that as a young Christian growing up in a liberal church, God just seems to open up so many doors. Oh my goodness. You don't think sin opens up doors? Sin is throwing open doors for you all over the place. Come through this one. Go to that one. Oh, that one's a beauty. Don't just use open doors. In other words, opportunities. They, they see something where Paul says, God has opened up a door for me, an opportunity for me. And they go, oh, I'm going to build my, my idea of wisdom and my, my concept of, of God's will based on one statement. Yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean that's the reason why he did that. It means that that was one of the things that was indicating to him that this is an opportunity because there, the opportunity was made known to him. Now he has to, Paul has to assess this. Is this God where you want me to go? Is this what you, where you want me to, to, to take my missionary work? Do you hear, please don't use open doors. Please don't use just opportunities. That is a way to run into sin. You have to use the full counsel of God. There's New Testament perspective. I'll just I'll sum it up for this. Jesus is referred to as the Logos. He is the Word of God. That it was referred to as being there from the beginning, before the beginning, even before anything was created. He is what Lady Wisdom was in the Old Testament. The New Testament says not that Jesus is Lady Wisdom, but now refers to that. That which was personified back there is actually revealed as Christ Jesus. Wis- All of wisdom is summed up in. Christ as the person who is the revealing one who gives us that in the New Testament okay I'll I'll let you guys uh, uh, have a rhetorical question I have to leave you with a rhetorical question because I'm out of time I hope that helps if I went too fast please come see me especially if I, I, I didn't mean to condescend I was knocking my own self as far as open doors I've lived that it's been stupid I've done positions on the Phoenix Police Department that I shouldn't have done that I'm like that was dumb that was really dumb. Just because that was open didn't mean that was good for my family. That was a selfish move. I'm not now with my kids when I should be with my kids and helping them develop and, and whatnot. So don't use open doors. Don't, 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 don't live that foolishness as I have. Let's go to Lord prayer. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who, who reveals to us, whether it's in the patterns that you have demonstrated to us in nature, or it's the revealed word that you gave into us in your word. You, you don't leave us without understanding of how to navigate this world, even the sin-cursed sin fallen world that we live in. You allow us a means to understand that even though we are having injustice uh, thrust upon us, we can live in such a way that honors you. We can live in a way that brings peace to our soul because you are the God of peace. We want to obey you. We want to honor you. We want to do what's right. We want to give glory to you. We thank you for the the beauty of your wisdom. It's the only true wisdom. All else is foolishness. We repent of anything that we've heard and used in the past that is superstition or just foolishness. And we ask that you continue to reveal to the rest of our lives that which is true, right, and good for us as we move through this, your world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.